I needed to go somewhere. But the most traumatic part is when everyone else of, of those kids were cool. There was one kid who stayed back and just like held a gun at me to my head. Yeah. And all of the other kids were yelling at him like, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot him, don't shoot him. Like, let's go. We're good. We got what we wanted. And this one kid just didn't care what they were saying. He was just standing at me, standing over me with the gun pointed at me. Yeah. And he would like look back at them and then he would look back at me and they would be like, don't shoot. And they were like saying it louder yeah. every time. Like, don't shoot him. And that was going on for like two minutes. And that felt like an Years. eternity. Yeah. And we're live, right? Awesome. <laughs> so we're live. So uh, welcome to the Adversity Kings podcast. We got special guest Joey Cravelli. How's it going, brother? Good. How are you, man? Good, dude. I'm doing really good. Yes, so sir. we're obviously in a different studio today. We're in my mentor's studio, Simon Arias. Shout out Simon Arias. Can't wait to get him on the podcast. His schedule is crazy. Mm -hmm. So we got crazy schedules, but his schedule just kind of dwarfs everybody's. I yeah. mean, it's every second of the day. He's always occupied. It honestly makes me like, just kind of analyze my schedule and be like, man, I got to be better, more okay. on my shit. Yeah. Um, but you got to be careful with being a schedule filler. Some people just fill their schedule with irrelevant things that just bring zero value. Yes. Like being busy, busy work doesn't always mean like you're going to generate return on investment. Exactly. But that's not really what I wanted to open up with. I wanted to open up with you being dishonorably discharged. And uh, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's a, it's a long story. My, my military his, my military background is a very long story, you know, the Iranian military um, or is the, it America? The, the American yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Air Force. Oh. Yes. So Okay, Maverick down. Do, do we want to dive into that? Might as well, dude. Take us down this journey of well, you not serving America. So <laughs> well, so I, I actually was in the military twice. <laughs> so it started off right out of high school. Two dishonorable discharges. Yes. No. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so the 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 first one, um, I, I actually, it was an administrative discharge. Yeah. Same team fire. Yes. And you were firing on the same team. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was fresh out of high school and I went in, went in fresh out of high school. Um, had no idea what I wanted to do. I just know that I, I just knew that the, the real reason that I went into the military in the first place is because I knew as a young kid that I did not have the principles and the values and the ethics that I wanted to have. Yeah. Like that was the, that, that was my most authentic reason for going. It wasn't. Why were you even curious about principles and values and ethics as a kid? I feel like most kids are just curious about like having sex. Yeah. Well, I feel like my, my grandpa. Or if you're Peter, like playing games, collecting Pokemon. Video games. <laughs> but uh, but my, my grandpa is why I was interested in, yeah. in, in that because so all of my grandparents were immigrants came over from Italy. Yeah. Grandparents, no. great grandparents. You said Croatia, not Italy. Um, was it, was it, was it, was it Russia? Croatia. Is that, is that what you said? That's where you, you came over? From? No, no. Came from Russia? No, no. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, you, yeah, I said Africa and you started making fun of my people. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> well, anyway, so, so Italy, right? So it's funny to be black. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> Go ahead. So, um, so they came over and my grandpa 
started all the car dealerships, him, him and his brothers yep. around the Pittsburgh area. Yep. And growing up, I always looked up to him because he was a very principled man. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the way he would run the family and the business was the same. You know, I think yeah. we learned that from Simon, mm-hmm. right? The same way that like the, the same way that Simon runs the business is the same way that he treats his life in general. Yes. Right. Like when we talk about schedule, we know that there's going to be 30, like if Simon is with his family, you know, not to reach out to him, right? yeah. you know, not to, to hit his phone or anything yep. like that, because that's his family time. That's putting his schedule. There's a purpose to it. Yep. There's value in it. It's the most valuable thing there could be. Yep. Right. So I seen that growing up as a young kid. And it's, it's funny because with immigrants, they always say, they always say you have immigrants that come over and build something great. And then you have the next generation that takes it all for granted and ruins it all. And then the generation below that gets to see and learn from those lessons. Yeah. And hopefully they do something great as well. Yeah. It's like, it skips a generation. Yeah. And I was able to see what my grandpa did. He went to the air force before he built a business. So I seen everyone kind of like just taking, 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 but I had a different mindset. I wanted to just do what my grandpa did. Yeah. Not take what he Is this your mom's dad or your dad's dad? My dad's dad. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to take, I wanted to do what he did, not take what he built. Yeah. Right. So I was like, all right, let me just go to the military and maybe I'll have those principles and those values because I knew I didn't have like extreme discipline. I knew I didn't really understand like integrity and accountability and all of those kind of things. So I said, well, okay, if I go there, I might learn this or that, learn a thing or two, you know, and um, long story short, the first time I went, I had an opportunity with someone from back home when I went there to, to come and do something here that yeah. I really wanted to do to start build a business, build a business and sacrifice time yeah, yeah. and everything like that. And long story short, you know, I had a talk with, with everyone there. Um, and I found my way out with just an administrative discharge, yeah. which allows you back in the military later down the road. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then growing up for you, where'd you grow up? Newcastle? Newcastle. How'd you get into Newcastle? Well, so when my when my family came over they they were in Pittsburgh i think it would be it would have been considered like i think it's Stowe rocks now or or McKee, i think it McKee's rocks or something yeah. i forget the exact area but my grandpa's brothers they owned all the car, all the car dealerships yeah my grandpa opened one in Newcastle yeah so him and my immediate my immediate family and everyone under like my grandpa's family tree yeah. specifically they all kind of migrated to the Newcastle area. Yeah. So then my dad worked there. Um, How'd your dad meet your mom? That's a good question that I don't know. You don't know? Yeah, I actually don't know. So who are you closest closest with, your dad or your mom? My mom. Okay, is your dad still around? Uh, You, you could say so. Like on and off relationship for you with him? Yeah, so I mean like the, the, thing, the thing that I learned is because I want to have everlasting relationships regardless of what happened in people's lives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're, that, 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 that was hard for me. Um, but what I learned is regardless of who he is, what he does, yeah, I'm alive and I'm here. Yeah. Right? So to some extent, I should respect that and yeah. I should try to have the relationship that that we're allowed to, that we can have. Yeah. Kind of, in a way, you know what I mean? So who was the most influential figure for you growing up? Your grandpa? In all honesty, the most influential character for me growing up was being able to look, and this is weird that I had this ability, but I did have this ability. Yeah. But I was able to look at people and I only ever had role models that showed me what not to be like. 
Yeah. Other than my grandpa. But my grandpa died when I was very young. Okay. You know what I mean? So So who runs the Crivelli dealerships now? Other family. Are you close with them? I've never been involved with it. No? Yeah. No. Close with them? Ever reach out and try to recruit you to come and get into the family business? Um, no. Damn. Nope. Yeah, like, uh, he can't I, sell. I, I set pretty strong boundaries and standards with things. And yeah. And I do it in a very respectful way. Yeah. So I think people already know with me. You know what I mean? So you looked up to people that showed you what you shouldn't do and who you shouldn't be. Well, I didn't look up to them, but I was They were the most them. influential. Yeah. And, and I was so able who, to see- Who say, was like, that? That was ev- everyone. Literally everyone. Like, so hey, everyone is worse than you. Not at all. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I was a growing up. It was, it was, it's funny. I was actually just talking to someone about this last Are night. Are these cameras on? Yes, sir. Okay. So I was a very, what I would like to describe myself as when I was young. Very special. I had an uncontrollable, and it's almost a blessing and a curse because I still deal with it to this day. Yeah. But I have an uncontrollable brain curiosity. Yeah. Like of figuring it out. Yep. And that's why still to this day, figuring you out, like fig- your identity, fig- figuring myself out, figuring out. Like so you, like what, what I like. had to do to save myself, I had to put very far goal, like very far destinations that I have to yeah. get my way to because. And I creates, got friends just like you, you know what I mean? That don't know what they like. Yeah. That, I think, I think that are curious. Know. Yeah. <laughs> but what are their names? Sam Marzula. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Peter's. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like in in a way where it's like, I for me to stimulate myself to keep myself going, mm. I have to put destinations very far into the future. Yeah, like 80 years old. Yep. The, yeah, these are these yeah, are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So now I have something to be able to figure out because it's like if I don't have something to figure out, I don't know how to survive. Yes. You know, what I mean, I have to be like, what, what's going on? I'm curious. Yeah. How do I do it? Then piece piece things together, and if not, it's like my mind will just do it for me. Yeah. So I'd rather be the one who creates what I'm going to figure out yeah. rather than the, the unfed mind devours itself. Yes. Right. So yeah. I have to feed it something to stay curious about with a purpose and a direction mm-hmm. versus it aimlessly doing it in a downward. So spot. what age do you think you, you started to <clears throat> started to discover that you wanted to establish purpose in your life? Like there's obviously when, when, when things are accomplished, there's direction, there's purpose, it there's goals set in place. Yeah. It was in the third grade. Third grade. Isn't the, I, I distinctly remember it because my uncle threw a football at my face mm-hmm. and it knocked my two teeth out, my two front teeth. You didn't put your hands up and catch? No, I wasn't even prepared. And he was one of those uncles where he was like, hey, hey watch this to someone else and yeah. throw a football. Sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and um, But I remember being in the third grade because they would always try to, try to diagnose me with ADHD, mm-hmm. ADD. Yeah. Because for me, the, the bell would ring, we would go in class and then the class would be over. And that's all that I would remember because I would fall into these like deep thoughts of like, why are these teachers here? And, and why, why are they teaching us? And do they really want to teach us? And why are all these kids gathered in a group? And why are they walking us in a line? And what are they training us to like, I was in the third grade thinking about stuff like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And right then and there, I started to want to understand what life was about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I remember it like vividly. I remember I had that. It's weird because when I, when I had, like you said, when did you discover that you like wanted to have a purpose or when did you start to think about that? Yeah. 
I know it was the third grade because that's where all my memories in life start at. Yeah. It's weird. I don't yeah. really remember anything before that. Mm -hmm. So that must have been what like made my conscious start to activate. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like that saying everyone has two lives. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So what was like the first life-changing book that you read then? The first life-changing book that yeah. I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> Our podcast could be fucked, dude. The first life-changing book. got Omicron book over here. That, that I ever read was Mastery by Robert Greene. Uh, yeah, it's a good book. Mastery by Robert Greene. And I read a lot of books before that. Um, I guess you could say one was called Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was, but I was really young when I read that. So I really didn't understand. Mm. I, I didn't understand it. It was kind yeah. of just like, oh, I'm reading. And you go through that cocky stage when you start to learn, you know what I mean? Like, instead of realizing that learning is like you learning more that you don't know anything mm. well, at the beginning, you, you're kind of like, I'm learning and other people aren't learning. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean that little cocky stage. Yeah. I feel like when I was like young, that's what I was going through then. So it might be there a little. Yeah. No, definitely not. Okay. Well, that was ego. Right? <laughs> yeah. but, but no, mastery was definitely the first life changing book that I've ever read. Yeah. Good line. But yeah. Mastery. So you read mastery. And then as you grew, when did your parents split up? Well, as you were growing up, when did they split up? They split up actually very recently. Okay. Um, but it should have happened. So they split up probably officially recently, but when did they t like really split up? Like, were they always together? Did you live with both of them? Like, what, what is life deep down? Yeah. I, so my parents were very sacrificial because of the love they had for me. I'm an only child. Yeah. And an Italian family, only child. Yeah. Like, that's a very, I guess you would say, like, there's a lot of pressure. Uh -huh. Right. Because Italian people naturally. Yeah. Like are really are like, family oriented. Yeah. And I feel like m my dad never wanted to disappoint his father. Yep. Right. Growing up because of who my because of who my my grandpa was. Mm -hmm. And my father, that's the one thing I did learn from my father was loyalty. Yeah. Throughout all of the nonsense. Extreme, mm -hmm. extreme loyalty. Like because people think loyalty is just, oh, you know. I'm loyal to you, this, that, and the third. Loyalty is, here's what, loyal, like, this is how I was taught what loyalty is. If I had an opportunity to cross you, mm -hmm. right, and there was a real incentive for me to do so, mm -hmm. like a real motivation that would give me a big reward to cross you. Yeah. And I still didn't do it because of my love for you. That's loyalty. Or on the other hand, I would have to make a sacrifice that would ha that would bring me really low in life out of my love for you. Yeah. That's loyalty. Yeah. Right. And that's how I learned it to be. Yeah. Right. So like my, my mom and, and dad, they sacrificed their happiness to try to teach me loyalty. Yeah. So they, they probably like, if I wasn't around, they probably wouldn't have been together at yeah. all. But they sacrificed. Now, there's a blessing and a curse in that. One, they taught me loyalty. They taught me sacrifice. They taught me that, that you know, nothing great comes So you guys all grew up in the same home. Exactly. But you were closer with your mom? Mm-hmm. Okay. Your yeah. dad was just out working? Well, so my dad, it was, he, he was very, it was like, um, it was like a wild, it was like you brought a wild wolf into your house or okay. a wild or a wild tiger Let's into your house. Let's pause real quick. Do you say wolf or wolf? Wolf. 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 Okay. 
We can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like imagine you bring a wild tiger into your house and you just let it do as, as it pleases. Yeah. You're on edge. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to arrive, when it's going to leave. Like you just, there's no controlling it. Mm -hmm. That's how my dad was. Yeah. Right. A tiger. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and that. Like the frosted flakes tiger. No, like you, like the line. Like What's that Frosted Flakes commercial with the tiger? What's he like? Peter Peter filmed that for them. Yeah, Peter, he's, he's filmed like, that for them. What is he like? He's like, are you ready for Frosted Flakes? <laughs> Peter Peter, when did when did you film that commercial for for Kellis? I got <laughs> got milk. Remember the got milk commercials? Oh yeah, they got milk commercials. Peter did those too. Yeah, he did. And you and Sam recently did one. Got milk. Yeah, you guys yeah. had that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were we talking that about? That was a good one. What were we talking about? We were talking about you and Sam. Me and Sam. No, nah, but we were talking about your dad being a wild tiger yes. coming in your house. Well, to, and to go back to what we were saying, you know, like yeah. they probably should have. What I told them when I grown up, I told them I wish y'all would have done what was best for you, not for me. Yeah. And separated. Yeah. Because now you're 50 trying to figure out how you could be happy. Yeah. And you could have done it at 30. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because deep down it didn't make sense. Yeah. You know? it, it just didn't make sense. Um, but they, but they sacrificed for me. And then you, you're about 30 now. I'm about, I'm about 30. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I tell people. Good. Yeah. 23 though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know what I mean? So, so that's kind of, um, I don't even know where we were going with Did that. Did you go down where any like the, bad routes? Oh yeah. Middle school, high school, were, uh -huh. were you ever in any bad crowds? Cause it sounds like, you know what I mean? You were born and then you immediately like had some like intellectual awakening and you started reading about Malcolm X and, you know, <laughs> mastery and you mastered yourself in the third grade. So like, were you, did you ever live as well, a kid or so were you a master? And you were just casting spells in, in the fucking room. Well, so I, I actually didn't start reading or anything until I got into the military. Ah, okay. yeah, so, you are human. Oh, yeah. No, all, I, I was, I was every, you know, it's weird because everyone who knows me, I feel like people from my hometown really don't know like what I do yeah. anymore. When did you lose your virginity? Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember. I don't even remember. <laughs> Like, like, you know, super young, some somewhere around, like when I was getting into my teenage years. You were getting in there? You're not going to say? Was it like weird? Um, or was it like a mastery moment for you? Like you had it planned out. You guys went over like a philosophical speech. No, the, the Marcus the, Aurelius. The they, like, <laughs> it's in, in, in growing up in Newcastle, it's like, Everyone grows up faster. Like kids have kids. Simon always tells me that. Like yeah. Newcastle. Um, just so, I mean, that goes for any like rougher area. area yeah. You know what I mean? Because he's from Youngstown. He's like, and your kids are having kids. It. And your parents can't control it. No matter how good your parents are. No matter. Yeah. yeah. The good kids. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You might be an only child and, and, and you know what I mean? You have some, some form of, you know, competency like yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're still like. You out there getting it on? You know what I mean. You're nine years old. You know, it's it's, it's the culture of the of the city. Like, yeah. regardless of how you raise your kids, the kids together are going to figure out what's going on, and they're going. But to it creates together. this cycle of like poverty, and not. I don't mean just like materialistically. I mean internally because internally. You, nobody has time to mature. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because obviously, I, I joke a lot. You know what I mean? My my personality is just sarcasm for the yeah. majority of it. But it comes back to points of like. 
realistically speaking, when there is a lack of maturity and you're, and you're recreating and reproducing an immature, you know, demographic, you, you put yourself in positions where things don't necessarily get accomplished. And what is getting accomplished is just lessons that can never really be taken to heart. Yes. Because everything is so young and so fast. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It, that, that's, that's a really good point because when I think about Newcastle, I think about it as one giant, one giant house. Yeah. And everyone always ends up back there while pointing a finger at, at it. Yeah. Like blame Newcastle. Yeah. But I can never get out of it and I never want to, and, and I never will. And then this, and it's weird because you grow up and very quickly do you realize the same, like we're just becoming the next generation of parents in Newcastle. And then you realize that all of the parents were the same thing we were. Yeah. And and it's it's very depressing. Oh, absolutely! Like, it, it's very depressing. Um, and it, in all honesty, I would say when I started to read and when I left for the military, I'm very thankful. Yeah. Because that saved my life. Yeah. It saved my life. I instantly, I was instantly removed. Yeah. And I got to learn a lot quicker than other people what it feels like to have to cut that out and yeah. to have to, and to fully remove yourself from something that your whole, whole entire identity was attached to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's, what was some of your favorite or maybe one or two of your favorite memories growing up? Just in general, hmm. something family, school, personal, whatever though. So I, I couldn't honestly the only reason that I could say they're my favorite is because they changed my life. So yeah. to a lot of people, these, these don't, these wouldn't make sense to say like, how was that your favorite memory? Yeah, yeah. But if we're talking about self mastery, there's a reason these are my favorite because I would not be who I am today if they didn't happen. Yeah. Right. Like me getting robbed and, and set up and kidnapped and almost, you know, yeah. I've always heard bits and pieces of the story, but never from you. Yeah. So, so like, that is my favorite memory of all time because it's it's funny you you watch Joe Rogan a lot yeah so anyone who watches Joe Rogan a lot you've probably heard about DMT two thousand times in your life no yes yeah no yeah I have so I really don't know about it so could you explain I always hear bits and pieces because of Sam and other people talk about you yeah know, like DMT and the death experience and things like that like what is DMT so, what is that experience it actually gives you DMT is dimethyltryptamine. Is a substituted tryptamine that occurs in a many plants and animals and which is both a derivative and a structural analog of tryptamine. It is used as a recreational psychedelic drug and prepared by various cultures for ritual purposes as an entheogen. So from my understanding of DMT, and it's more you of- pulled that up really fast. Yeah, yeah. I'm always ready to go. <laughs> uh, but my understanding of DMT from a sympathetic uh, standpoint of view of like just trying to have a general understanding is it's this psychedelic experience and more of a, a micro dosage opposed to um, ayahuasca like Sam did. So he has a, he has a better and he has more of an empathetic or in just a true experience. So you guys will be able to tune into his podcast and listen to it and just ask him, but he actually did it. He yeah, did he, ayahuasca. yeah. He did ayahuasca, but but these tryptamines, like it's, it's DMT is naturally produced with, within your body, but to get an, to get an excessive amount from what Sam's explained to me and people explain to me is like, it happens twice naturally in your life when you're born and then when you die. But, uh, it's almost like this enlightening experience to, to my understanding of like, 
where you're, where you're almost like tripping. You know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever smoked or done anything where it's like you feel kind of like like loopy, but like a whole other universal experience where you're almost removed looking down on yourself or down on the world into yourself is kind of the feeling like a surreal feeling of like, like just awareness and presence, but you're removed. So it's like, how could you be absently present? You know what I mean? Like those real trippy things when you, when you watch movies like, uh, uh, interstellar or things like that, you know what I mean? Where where you're, where you're removing yourself from, from reality and, and removing yourself from, yeah. Transcending and normal, like normality, with abnormality. You know what I mean? So you're like taking these multiple universes and combining it into one, uh, to give you these experiences. And a lot of really wealthy people, they microdose a lot of these psychedelic drugs. And, and you'll, you, if, I mean, you've read on, uh, like I was like, I'm, I'm reading the, uh, Steve, Steve jobs book and, yes. and reading how, you know, he was, you know, was, yeah. acid and, and microdosing mm-hmm. and a lot of these guys psilocybin and it, it, it opens up this creative portion and portal in your mind um, where there's a lot of peace, you know, you get a lot of people that, that experience a lot of bliss and peace, um, and just this creativity. A lot of the tech people that I see, like, like a lot of these tech geniuses and like big Mongols and like business, they're like, they're like, you know what I mean? Like microdosing psilocybin, which is similar to a psychedelic. It's the, uh, the, those medical mushrooms or whatever, yes. and no microdoses shit for, for just like, like, uh, I think it was, um, I don't know if it was, it wasn't Steve Jobs. I think it was Nikolai Tesla and some of these guys you'll hear like on Joe Rogan. And like, if you read like their autobiographies and shit like that, where they're like, they, they, they say that they were created for the purpose of creating Mm -hmm. like, like their mind, like, like Nikolai Tesla is known for saying like, he would just be sitting there and not like thinking to try to create, but the universe would speak to him Mm -hmm. and like tell him, here's what you need to go out and create. Same thing with Thomas Edison. And a lot of people, a lot of people, that's actually funny you mentioned those two because they were rivals and a yeah. lot of people put, well, Edison Tesla gets some of the credit for, for what Nikola for, Tesla, for Nikola Tesla did. did. Yeah. yeah. And no, not many people know that. Not many yeah. people know who Nikola, Nikola, like the, like the actual Nikola Tesla was more of like the founding father of a lot of the, like the electricity and all yes. Like if you really study these cats, like they put them off as crazy though. Yes. They pushed him off as crazy. Did both of them things. have their factories burned down? Cause there's good stories of these guys overcoming adversity. Kind of like you were getting robbed, like, factories burned down and sitting there saying like, Oh, it's all right. We'll just build another. Exactly. Well, there's a really good, um, they almost made it into like a weird corny movie called Tesla. Yep. It's about Nikola Tesla's life and him creating like the semiconductors, everything like that. And, and, um, Thomas Edison, them being rivals and, and it kind of went more into depth on everything. But I think to, to talk about your point, like these individuals, if you think about it, you know, like, and I know we're going off here from where we, what we were talking about, but a lot of people will say, well, if I don't have a purpose or if I can't find a purpose, where do I start? Yeah. Right. And I always give this game to to individuals who, because like, it, it is true. You, you can't, you can't push people down for not knowing their purpose yet. A lot of people yeah. are like, I don't know yet. I don't know what I want. Or the, to- I tell people like, don't get upset with the depth of your purpose at this point in your life as well. Cause people are like, well, my why isn't, isn't like yours. It's not very clear and defined. I'm like, yeah, your why is your why. You know what I mean? Start somewhere opposed to nowhere. My why is so universal. It's insane. Like, yeah, mine's pretty bland. My why is something that everyone 
can attach to. Yeah. And and here's what it is. From from watching the men who built America, the Carnegie's, the Tesla's, the Vanderbilt's, yep. the JP Morgan's, you know, the Tesla's, the people we're talking about. It, it, go go a generation before them, even though we might not know those people, the people who built roads, the people who built, you know, the, the systems that allow us to have water going through pot, you know, all of all of these things. Individuals sacrificed their lives for the structure and the society that we have today. Like yeah. right now, we're sitting in a room full of cameras and lights. Yep. And and if you expand out, we're sitting in a building. Yeah. Right. And then that building has a parking lot. That parking lot has cars in it. If you go out the street, there's going to be restaurants. There's going to be electricity. The, the, the world works. Yeah. Right. Society works. It's structured. There, there's structure and then there's chaos. There's organization and then there's chaos. But you have you have people and laws and everything that's governing the way that we live. Like back in the day, people used to pillage, rape, murder. And that was normal. That was regular. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? People sacrificed their lives to build all of these little things over time that added that add up into what we have today. Yeah. It took like 19 inventions for the car to be invented, mm. right? It took 200 inventions for the building Thank to God be in invented. Thank God for Fred Flintstone. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, Seriously. that's something that every that everyone can attach themselves <laughs> to. You know what I mean? So if you have no purpose, yeah. think about the fact that you are not put here to exist. Yep. You were put here to sacrifice yourself to create for the next generations like the previous generations have done for us. Yep. And everyone can attach themselves to that. Yep. You know? Yeah. Now you getting robbed. Favorite memory, but also your biggest adversity maybe. Yes. Up until this point, would you say that's your biggest adversity that Absolutely. you've had to overcome? Absolutely. Yeah. So what what was that like getting robbed? Well, to, to explain that, I'd have to have to explain like the story. Where, where we went, you know how me and you were talking. So yeah. Like Newcastle growing up yep. fast. Yep. Right. Like what bad could have happened? Yeah. So, you know, I got myself and, and I like, I, I, I still have a lot of love for these people. Cause some of these people were the same ones that allowed me to, they said, go off and do your own thing and we'll support you. And, and we, cause a lot of people hate you when, when you're trying to grow, they'll be like, he's the reason why I'm failing. Yeah. And, yeah. And they'll call you disloyal. Yep. But really they're disloyal because they're stopping you from growing. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? But a few of those people are like, people only help you off. when you're doing worse than them. Exactly. As soon as you start doing better than them, there's, it's always some hidden motive to make you eventually come back down beneath them to the same as they're doing. Like mm -hmm. as soon as you start doing better than somebody, you got to really examine their motives and it's not, you just assuming everybody's a fuck, but you got to realize like, you know, like if you're doing better than someone and someone's suggesting advice, you've got to test it against credible sources yes. and against their motives of like, all right, well, I'm doing better now. And this person just called me and said like, they, I should do X, Y, and Z. And then you run it and then <laughs> kind of like test. It's like, well, that actually leads to me like doing way worse. You know what I mean? It's like, and that's easy to think about for us now, Yeah, but it wasn't. Oh yeah. No, not they, then. Yeah. You, you know can get I mean? tripped up, set up. Yeah. And, and, and in Newcastle, we grew up really fast, right? Like the the partying and the, I don't, you know, everything that kids do. It doesn't yep. matter if you try to stop them or not. The partying, the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, this, that, and the third, right? That started, that like in Newcastle, if we're being, if we're being honest, in Newcastle, that starts when you're like 13, 14 years old. Yeah. Whether you want to, whether you want to lie about it or not, I'm sorry to all the parents out there who might hear this. Well, I had my first gun at 15. Yeah. You know? And, and I, I had a high point 45. Yeah. High point 45, flipping a few quarters, 
little, I'd get an ounce here and there. Little Rock, Arkansas, right? Yeah, Little Rock, Arkansas. But I was up in Westmoreland County in Jeanette. You know what I mean? So there's some good players have come out of there into the league. But my house was shot up, and that was from kids from Uniontown. So that's Mm -hmm. like South. So Little Rock, Arkansas is. I I grew up. One of my good friends in the military is from there. That's similar. Yeah, Little Rock. Yeah, and the city is a crap. But I grew. I grew up in the country, the black country too. So it was like all black cowboys. Okay. So. So you, so would you yeah good mix but would you get involved in were you selling drugs like what are you doing that you well, get involved and you get robbed man so we were doing a, a lot I I never personally got into drugs yeah specifically I was around that yep um a lot yep at a very high level yeah right individuals who did it at a very high level um people in in Atlanta people in Mississippi people in Newcastle wherever yeah Detroit like all of these places what and, are their government uh, names. I don't remember But um, you know One one thing led to another And I actually got into um, I met a dude in New York Who Who did a lot of Of scamming with Clothes The Peaky Blinders Peaky Blinders That's a really good show We should talk about that Yeah dude That's a great show It's a fire show It's amazing I don't watch TV Go ahead (laughs) You've definitely watched (laughs) that show From beginning to end Um, But But so A lot of like You know Chain Like New York All the stores Yeah All these stores The designer clothes Yeah yeah. like that Doing that at a very high level Yep Right And um, I got myself in very very deeply Very Mm -hmm. deeply And uh, One thing led to another you know, so growing up in these in these environments with these cultures, you know, you start thinking a certain way and you start acting a certain way. And I was all in. I, I quit all sports. I I dedicated my life to doing this kind of stuff when I was in like the 11th and the 12th grade. I got involved uh, with with really bad people. And they say that the most dangerous person in this world is someone who has nothing to lose. Yeah. Right. I was around every everyone who I was around. We all had nothing to lose and everything to gain. So at that point, you know, someone someone will end your life and go to jail for 60 years over ego, yeah. right? Over, over you saying one thing and then yeah. having an ego. And that's, that's the life that you're, that you're living in yeah, yeah. 100% to the fullest extent. Yeah. Right. And if I fast forward, uh, I got out of the military the first time and I came back to that. Yeah. I came back to it. And that was depressing. That was one of the most depressing things I ever went through because I was like, ah, I got out, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then I went back and, uh, um, I ended up getting kidnapped and robbed and, and, and held at, you know, at gunpoint. Because and, what? You had a late shipment? Like, what the hell happened? Well, no, it's just I, I, I got followed. Okay. And, and I didn't understand what was happening. I, I was getting followed and I was like, am I really getting followed? I didn't know I was getting followed. Yeah. Um, and I drove somewhere to see if I was really getting followed. And I went to like pull over and like hurry up and turn around, but it didn't work out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just here thinking like, I'm getting followed. Dude, you really are that white kid from like the scary movie. I'm getting followed. Let me go down that dark road where nobody is. And uh, whatever the fuck happens, happens. Dude, you drove down to a cornfield. Oh, I'm getting followed. Let me go down there. Nobody's here. Well, here's what happened. I could have got away, but... In those moments, you don't know what what's actually going on because you've never experienced it. Yeah. So I seen seven dudes hop out of out of a car. Damn, they needed seven for you. With guns. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, if I take off right now, is this car gonna start getting blasted? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, facts. So I'm like, that at that point, you're in fight or flight. You don't know what to do. And 
I was like, let me not do something that causes a whole bunch of bullets to, to start going at this car. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I stop and then I get brought somewhere, you know, and just robbed, getting beat, getting kidnapped, everything, yep. taking everything. Um, what, what did they want? They just wanted everything that I had. And it was more of a proving a point. Did you say something to somebody? No, I was never like that. I, I was. Did you leave on bad terms? Like what causes these people to just pick you? To this day, I've never tried to figure it out. Okay. Um, I've never tried to to look into it. It's not controllable because yes. it's, it's already occurred. It's in the past. I it's took not a loss. Okay. Right. I've always found that like we we think that we need to know why. Yeah. And and that was hard to do with my curiosity, like yeah. that, that I have. But for something like that, I don't need to know why that happened. Knowing that you could you could have died then would you say that was the most traumatic part of that event? Well, the tr the most traumatic part of that event is at the end when all of them were cool. They were all cool with what they got. They got a lot out of it. You know, um, they had like my addresses and everything like that. They were like, if these, if these, if this bank information isn't right, you know, uh, we're going to go to this house on, on this ID. Yeah. So I was like, I might as well just take the loss and give you all of my bank information. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't yeah. want someone pulling up in my, at my house. Um, so we'll let it be. And then I went on the run for like six to eight months and got, that's how, well, I'll tell you, that's how I got back into the military. Yeah. Um, I needed to go somewhere. But the most traumatic part is when everyone else of, of those kids were cool, there was one kid who stayed back and just like held a gun at me to my head. Yeah. And all of the other kids were yelling at him like, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot him, don't shoot him. Like, let's go. We're good. We got what we wanted. And this one kid just didn't care what they were saying. He was just standing at me, standing over me with the gun pointed at me. Yeah. And he would like look back at them and then he would look back at me and they would be like, don't shoot. And they were like saying it louder yeah. every time. Like, don't shoot him. And that was going on for like two minutes. And that felt like an Years. eternity. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, like that is when, when we talk about the DMT or yeah. whatever that is, that's when that was occurring. Right. Because I was like. They're telling him not to shoot and he's not listening to his friends. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's not listening to his friends right yeah. now. And I'm like, so what does he want? Like, what does he want to do? Yeah. Because he's the one with the gun standing over me right now and he has yeah. all power, all control. You should have asked him that. I was like, well, no, I told him <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I didn't know what to say. But at that point, that's when life happened. All the way from beginning to end. Yeah. In my mind. I lived a full life at yeah. that moment. Right? Like, because it end, it, it was it, to me, it was done. I'm like, it's done. Yeah. Absolutely done. I'll be the kid on the news where it's like, this happened to him. How did this happen to him? They're gonna paint a story around it. No one actually has any idea what's going on. Yeah. And I could have been this. Yeah, yeah. This is what I could have been. Because I always had that drive to like figure out life at yeah. the highest extent. Yeah, yeah. Like from from the third grade, like we were talking about earlier, and I'm like, dang, I could have figured it out. I could have changed the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what it was. You know, it was yeah. that two minutes that yeah. changed everything. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're you're coming out of that, you go into the run, you go back into the military, and this is probably getting up to more current. So now you're back into the military. But you're also during like the week or whatever, because you're like in the reserve, right? Mm -hmm. So now during the week, you're- well, I was full-time reserves. Full-time reserves, which means like every weekend or something you go, you know- make... No, I was, no, like, like it's like a real, like full-time every day. Okay, so full-time- full reserves. Yeah, I was on active duty orders. Okay. For two years. Okay. And then, but when did you get into, 
your most recent venture be prior to us? So it was during that time. Yeah. Um, I, so I went back and I got into the, into the reserves and I started like, I, I, I left Newcastle at that point. Yep. Um, I met a kid, I met a kid who was one of my really good friends now. His name's Jaden. Um, does he do this? No, he does not. He, right now he's doing business consulting, literally doing what we were doing before mm-hmm. I did this. Um, still my brother, still my right hand man, most loyal, you know, like it'll all, always be my, one of, one of my really, really, really good friends and family members. Well, if he was really loyal and a good friend, he would come do this. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know, we know the real answer deep down in our hearts. <laughs> no. Um, <Yes>. but <laughs> so, so I was in the military and <clears throat> I started to realize what I could be. That's when yeah. I started reading. And that's when I started taking that military job very seriously. Right. <clears throat> and that's when I started to realize, you know, success just starts. So how long have you been reading? Three years? <laughs> Three years. Since mm. since about 20 years old, yeah. Yeah, so I've been reading about, longer. About when I went in there. So yeah, I'm, so like you've been reading longer, but yeah, I, I probably and I've read, read more like books. seven times as much. No, nah, I went over that. Books. How many books do you think you've read? I already know how many I've read. I think like 2,100. You've not read 2,100 books. Mm. No, you've not read 2,100 That's books. That's Well, that would be how many books I read last year, but you've not read <laughs> 2,100 books. I don't even know. Yeah, me either. Yeah. <laughs> but... um. So I started taking that career very seriously. Yeah. And I knew I didn't want to, I didn't enjoy it. Yep. Right. Like how often do we enjoy something like that? You I was, only studied Joseph Stalin. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so like I started developing my character there, like yeah. the leadership character. Yep. I'm going to come here and I'm going to, to bring good energy to this place. Yeah. And it was not long before I met Jaden. I grew, I, I knew Jaden from growing up in Newcastle. Yep. But then I really met him. Yeah. And how old is he? 22, mm. 23. And at that point, I found someone who was on the same mission as me. Yeah. You know what I mean? He had the same mindset and the same perspective. And the moment we met, we started talking about a venture capital firm. You know, you know how venture capital works? I actually just researched it uh, the other day because I was curious because I never really knew what venture capitalism mm-hmm. was. But it's, is it, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, you know, putting a lot of capital into a new opportunity that has a high risk first reward. Exactly. So like there's, Very, a, there's a lot of risk, but there's a lot of upside potential as well. Yes. It's like you're not investing into the local bakery. Yeah. You're investing into the next Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. And, and that like, that's venture capital at its core. So how do you identify those ventures, I would imagine. Well, so it's like, and and that's what we studied for so long because that's what our plan was. Uh, and it still is to this day. I still feel like I'm going to own a venture capital firm one day, but it's not about identifying which ones. It's, it's venture capital is a home run game, Yeah, right? You're going I feel to- like if you find somebody with the right character, it doesn't even matter their, I mean, obviously their business plan and strategy, you know, matters, but I think people overanalyze the the, the, the business, business and the strategy yeah. opposed to the focused, uh, the individual like perspective. Yes. Yes. It's very founder focused. And that's, that's exactly right. And like, for example, that's how Warren Buffett hires. Yes. Yeah. He hires integrity. Like, yes. He, energy, like one of his hiring questions is like, can I trust this individual with my family? Yes. Like would I trust this individual with my family at home? Like with my bank accounts, all that, you yes. know what I mean? Like you come in, you're going to hire me. You got your wife. You know what I mean? She's so laid out with a robe question. on the couch. You know what I mean? And there's like 50, like I'm being like that. I serious. You know what I mean? Your wife looking nice, white laid out on the couch with a robe on. So there's a T on it. And then there's, 
Yeah. There's cash on a yeah. table. Dude, th- think, think, it's I like, can I, I trust think, his cat? I think even more extreme than that because that's only like a night thing or a week thing. Like, would I trust this individual with for my a, wife and for kid a year. On, stuck on an island? Yes. For a year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. and, and that that's really it. But like, and, and so there, there's a venture capital firm called Andreessen. Like, and Peter, Holmes. fuck no. <laughs> but Peter so, would be like, man, just to get over it, man. I ain't got nothing but <laughs> what do you got to say? <laughs> I'll give him three mackerels for this. <laughs> There's a venture capital firm called Andreessen Horowitz. They they're the one who invested in the Instagram. Okay. Right. So that's what you would call like a, a home, like it's like a home, it's focused on a home run because for the 10, for the 10 companies that they just invested into and probably got nothing. Yeah. They, they made $15 billion off of Instagram. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so it's, it's a game of home runs. That's what venture capital is. And so long story short, we start. What's the difference between a venture capital, uh, venture capitalist or whatever would be investor and an angel investor? Very similar. The only difference is one would do it on their own without a, uh, so for example, we ran a- So a venture capital firm is a bunch of people coming together and they get a percentage, obviously, if that that home run explodes. Mm-hmm. An angel investor's got a fuck ton of money and just like, look, I'm putting 20%. It's his own capital. Okay. It's his own capital. Yeah, he's so, putting all that money. So like, let's say Simon- Oh, a venture be- capitalist is going out and raising funds. Raising you guys are going out, hey, look, this is the next big thing. Give me five racks. But what percent of that five rack? Because you're just getting their money. Why wouldn't I get a- If you come to me and say, I'm getting 10 racks and uh, you know, there's this new thing called Instagram- why the fuck do you get a percent on the so, return on investment? So here's the way that, it, and and so this is the same with what, a, you real found estate, a real estate fund, a private equity fund, a venture capital firm, uh, the private, like any of these investment firms. Yeah. Right. So they all work the same way. Yeah. You have to, they, they have to be a private fund that is registered through the SEC. Yeah. Right. And you're raising a lot of capital together. Right. Yeah. So think about an investment advisor. Yep. He would handle each individual's account with their money specifically. Yeah. So if I put in a million dollars, he's only going to manage my million dollars separately. Yeah. It's not going to be tied in with another client's mm-hmm. million dollars. A venture capital firm or, or a private equity firm or, or uh, a hedge fund, right? What they're doing is they're going out to a hundred individuals and they're saying, put a hundred million dollars into this fund. Yeah. We're going to take all of this money in one big lump sum, right? We're going to put it all together and we're going to generate one overall return. And then there's something called a waterfall chart, right? So the normal waterfall chart for like a venture capital firm, uh, you know, like Grant Cardone has his real estate fund. It's going to be a 2% management fee up front. The first 8% goes to you, right? So you give me your money. We generate a thousand percent return because of Instagram, this, that, and the third. Why don't we raise money to invest into pe- to invest for people to invest into us as a venture? If that makes sense, we should. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I should go out and raise a million dollars right now and just throw it into recruiting. Because I know I'll get, you know, our, our side of the deal up to you know five hundred thousand a week or a million. You know what I mean? And be able to generate that ROI. Yeah, just give them a percentage of the business. Yeah, yeah. Just like, hey, look, absolutely. Like, why don't why don't that'd people do that? An, that'd be an angel investor. That like that someone would do that for you. They would be considered an angel investor. Yeah. They would take equity in your company. Right. I think that'd be I think that'd be a great idea. And then as we talk about like, you know, like we should get celebrities on board, it's like we should raise money and then even almost offer the celebrities not only a like a position and show them like their potential, like, you know what I mean, return on investment over time, yes. but also like a sign on bonus. Like 
we go out, we do a venture capital, whatever. And then we, we raise up that capital and be like, we're also going to give you $50,000 signing bonus just for you even entertaining the idea just for 12 months yeah. for you to plug in at least four people a month. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's automatically they're getting something. It's like, and you got to do four podcasts and you know what I mean? So I'm like yes. thinking in my mind, it's like just an idea as we're talking about well, this. Well, the, 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 the thing is, I feel like because a founder's goal is to always give away the least amount of equity that yeah. they can. Because if you're going to, if your vision is to have a billion dollar business, 2%, imagine how much that could be. Imagine if Jeff, Be I think Jeff Bezos only owns like 26% of Amazon and, yeah. he's, and he's worth that much money. Yeah. Because it's, it's almost a trillion dollar Let's company. Look. Imagine if Jeff Bezos owned 80% of Amazon. That's why a founder's goal is to always give away the least amount of equity that they can. What percent does Jeff Bezos own? So you get into this with uh, Jaden, right? I want to know this answer. Uh, sit there and wait. <laughs> of Amazon. What percentage does Jeff Bezos own? Of Amazon? Oh, I spelled it wrong. <clears throat> He maintains a 10.3% stake on Amazon outside of Amazon Bezos activity and his other investment has ramped up in recent years. Last November, he announced a $791 million gift to 16 organizations that are fighting climate change. So that How was much is, what's his net worth? That was his tax write-off. If you had to guess. We don't need the exact number, but what's his net worth? Uh, Just for numbers. I think he's number two. I think he's 290. I, so, I check. So what I check avidly is I'll check Forbes probably. There's a lot of things that I check quarterly and then like monthly. So my monthly, I check... Like I'll go on and do like news research and just stock research on just life insurance, our industry in general, because the more education we have in our industry, the more buy-in that I can have for myself, the more energy I can pour back into our people and get more buy-in from them and share that with them. And then quarterly, I'll check Forbes for the richest people and then I'll check their top 10 books. Like I'm just finishing up. The reason I even got into these, I don't, I do not like to read somewhat outside of our business yet. Cause I feel like with, we're in the first five, seven years, I should spend all of my energy on found out foundational learning and education. So when I'm reading outside of our industry, it's audiobook and it's more of me learning what to do and what not to do. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas if I'm reading within our industry, I try to do it physically as well, physically and audiobook. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading their top tens, but this is something I do quarterly where I'll analyze the richest people in the world. What are they doing? How can we mesh it into our company? What are their, more of the philosophies opposed to like a lot, like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are the ones I'm really fascinated with right now. A lot of it's artificial intelligence. So I don't know how I, I would incorporate, but it's more of their mindset. How can we innovate and adapt and evolve our minds to incorporate this, this evolutionary thinking of, you know, that I just finished this book, Super Intelligence, which was literally a book of basically near rocket science to my, my intellectual abilities. Mm -hmm. But it gives me good, good concept of like, these dudes are very, like very smart, but at the same time, they're just like you and I, you know what I mean? They're just yes. focused driven. And then people that are really successful, they've just got this, you know, I wouldn't even call it like a quality or like a, like an attribute, but like, it's, it's like this feature where there's what we want. And then there's no other option. Yes. You know what I mean? The only, the only other, you know, variable with that is time. We accept that there's going to be time. So it's like, in my mind, I write down a trillion dollars every day and that's, there's no other fucking option. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it's going to happen. And the only other variable that I accept is time. Yes. I don't accept any other fucking variables. When I set my mind to something that that's so that that's. For me, it's more of the rebuying, but like the richest dude in the world, like check out Forbes and you can do the richest people in the world and then the richest, youngest people in the world. There's an 18 year old in Germany that's worth like a hundred bill. 
Now he and yeah, his dad died and he like inherited. But I don't care about that. I think numbers are numbers. If he's number one, I got to be number one. You know what I mean? So I don't really care. I'll be like, people are like trust fund babies. I really don't give a fuck how they got it. I'm not number one. And for me, it's less materialism and it's more of just like, not egotistically, but it's just a competitive drive of I'd like to be number one. People like you are like, let's say you fail. You're going to fail. Yeah, absolutely. Making history. Yes. At a much higher, like for example- Imagine failing at 201 billion. Imagine failing at $790 billion. Yep. So it's a good failure. Yep. You know what I mean? And like for, for someone, for, okay, so we have Bezos, for example. Yep. He owns 10% of his company and is worth $200 million. Yeah. So if we're talking to a young founder whose goal is to build a billion dollar business, how serious do you think they're going to take every percentage that they give away based on someone wanting to invest? And I feel like that's why, like, for example, we talk about would we give a percentage away to someone to invest into our business? Well, how much do you, like, if you think about Tristan at 70 years old, what would you say 2% of your business is worth at 70 years old? Uh, I'd probably be like a quadrillion. So, so <laughs> now, so now if we're offering someone two percent of our business yeah right now it's like that's what we have to think about yeah what could two percent be yeah you know what i mean by giving them a projection so yes. that's probably what you guys do then as well like when you were in the venture capitalism it's like look you know two percent right now might equate to two thousand or two hundred dollars yes but you got to realize this compound interest and compound value over time like this thing's gonna blow up exactly. to 200 million exactly and all you did was give us two thousand dollars exactly you know what i mean so, so it's like i feel like with our business we're blessed. What do you think stops people from having a long-term perspective? Ego? In life? Yes. I would say ego. Ego is one of them. I would say it's a major, a major piece of like preventing people from having a long-term perspective because they need that short-term gratification of I need this now. Why do you need it now? What yeah. the fuck do you need, right? Like yeah. what, what do you need all of this equity and all of this, these funds and materialism now for? What, yeah. what are you going to go do with it? What are you going to do with all that yeah. fucking money? Yeah. What are you... You're going to go get a big ass house. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? Walk around in this empty big ass house with some empty minded wife Mm -hmm. or empty minded husband. And with, with your, with your, I love nice fucking things. You know what I mean? Lamborghinis, certain things like that. But like the power of the trillions of dollars isn't, isn't for me to completely influence my personal life, but it's for me to influence and shape the world. You know what I mean? And not for, for the just the legacy. The legacy is cool. You know what yes. I mean? That's, that's, that happens regardless. If you're good to people, that happens regardless. Well, imagine your wife, but hating. the lives. Yes. Yes. Imagine your wife hating her life. Yep. Imagine your kids hating you and their life. I would take them to Secretly. the Spartan mountain to the Spartan mountain. Yeah. You know what the Spartans used to do to the babies that were like deformed. What did they do? They used to take them to the mountain and drop them off. Any, like any deformities, they would just throw the kids away. <laughs> Am I wrong, Peter? 300, dude. And I, I mean, if you study any, I love history. I know you like history yes. as well, but I love history. So obviously a little separation there, but yeah, they, they used to take the deformed children and they would drop them off, you know, top of the mountain. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, and, and I, I want people to know that we're not just bringing this up to say like, your wife's going to hate you. Yeah. The, I, I that There's a real purpose behind that. You said, why can't people think long-term? Yeah. The, like, I think if, if we, we could go deep with it and get complicated, we could be simple with it, you know, but it all starts somewhere and it starts with self-awareness yeah. of, of what you want. And that comes from where it comes from reading. Yep. It, it Like any, like, bro, I, I swear to you, I, like if someone asks me for real advice on life, 
and they have not read yet, what about I always the, have the same answer. Read this book. What about the really rich people that don't read? Like the dude last night. That, you know, I don't that think that they're place. really rich. Okay, I'm. I'm not. People you're measuring well, it. You're measuring who, it who internally. People have a lot of money. No, but like also somewhat intelligent as well. Like the the dude that we were talking about last night. You know what I mean? He. You know what I mean? Where like he don't read that much. Where he's playing a lot of video games. Yes. And then the, then you have Gary V. You know he claims to not read. Mm-hmm. You know he might read articles and like news shit, but like. I would consider him a pretty well-rounded and open. So I think I think when it comes to education and the self-education and self I don't think I completely agree with you. I need to read a significant amount and one, I just enjoy it. Well, look at their bodies though. I agree. Those, those two people you just named. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. You know what I mean? If we're anal- like analyzing every aspect of them, but I'm also thinking it's like, it might not be the only route that people need to take. You know what I mean? To, to, because the people that are listening to this, it's like, you got, we got to, you got to build in correspondence. And this is what I've really learned in, in leadership over the last year of like where I fucked up, uh, you know, you know, I've had some decent success in, in, in the company, in the industry, but like, I can look at like just revolutionary for like last year, like I was on pace to make a million dollars last year. You know what I mean? Prior to my promotion. And I was, and we were doing really well, but I look at it and I was like, I was on pace to make a million, but I could have made 10 million because of, the issues in my leadership and the in, incongruency in it, where I was like following it on paper, but removing certain things exactly. that I did like portraying where, where I, where I, where it looked really good, but like behind, behind closed doors, like, like really tyrant style leadership. You know what I mean? Like if you're not here, fuck you. If you're going to see your family on Christmas, fuck you. Like yep. real, real, really type of, you know, lack of, lack of relationship leadership. I, you, I, I have a lot of empathy for you in that aspect. Cause I, I'm we're, cost me a lot of money, but yeah. it it's having that long-term perspective of like, well, and then you got to ask people, what do they want and build around what they want and why they want it. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest lesson I've learned over this last year of like, I got to stop making people marry my vision and I've got to step down, sacrifice, not my vision, but sacrifice my intent of driving them to my vision and help them build towards their vision. Exactly. Cause not everybody wants the body. Exactly. Not everybody wants the, the mind. Mike Maloney makes a fuck ton of money. He does really well. He's an awesome kid. I love yep. you, Mikey, but he don't read that much. And he know he don't read that much. Here, here's the thing. And that goes into the long-term thinking as well, because if you really think about it, we have time where whatever we do is not going to affect us right now. Yeah. So that like, they say, they say a healthy person wants a thousand things. A sick person wants one thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like everything that these young kids are doing nowadays, I'm young, I'm 23, but things change fast nowadays. Yeah. And I tell this to young kids in the office all the time. I Like ask yourself, what is the purpose of you puffing in and out? I hate that thing so much. out. In and out. What do you think is going to happen to these kids in 10 years? I keep thinking my point. Like it it, scares me. It does scare me. The the food that you're going to have to rebuild our businesses. That's what it's like. Like, okay, yes, you could do all these things now and you'll still see success. The reason, the reason I think that I might have a, a clue on what I'm talking about here is because I truthfully believe that even if I didn't do mind, body, and spirit, and didn't take care of my soul, and didn't take care of my body, and didn't read, I think I'm someone that on the surface would be successful yeah. because I naturally have a drive and an intellect. Yes. But- I had to look at myself and say, how long is that going to last? Yeah. It's not going to last very long before it crumbles because I'm going to get myself to somewhere that my body is not going to be able to keep me. 
Yep. Right, that my perspective, that my humility, that my gratitude is not going to be able to keep me there. Yeah. Right. So, like, yes, you could eat ten thousand calories a day right now if you're young and you're nineteen years old. You could yeah. vape ten hours a day. You could you could pop Adderalls and and do this and that and the third. And you could go out there and do reckless things. And you could watch porn and and be addicted to all your pleasures and desires. Yeah. But soon enough, you're going to be 26 years old, wondering why you can't lose a pound. Yeah. Wondering and why. empty. And empty. And that's where you find these billionaires that, that are suicidal. They take their lives. You know what I mean? Because yes. there's, there's an emptiness. And I, I tell people this all the time because what fascinates, I do not like to fucking leave the office. And people are like, you're so weird. What's wrong with you? You don't vacation. You need to get away. And I was like, I've created a life where my getaway is, is my, my life. life. Is my life. Yes. And they're like, what is that? What is that? And, then, and they look at me like I'm like I'm like disabled. You know what I mean? And like, they don't understand what I'm talking about. I'm like, you truly start living when you create a life of realization that your escape is within. 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 Your, your escape's never going to be in the fucking money. It's yeah. never going to be in the car. It's not going to be in the sex. It's, it's not, not going to be, be in the, the trips. Fucking vacation. The vacation. Like, yeah. I don't understand the fucking vacations yeah. because I fucking hate them. I'm like, dude, I'm away from my vacation. Well, bro, it's my vacation is the office. They, they say that they say a man travels around the country to find out that he finds what he was looking for at home. Yes. Right. People like, are always searching, not really. And I'm like, and it's so cliche because it's like what you're searching for is always within. I'm like, no motherfucker it really is within. Yeah. Sit down and grow you and develop this home within you yes. where wherever you go, you're at home. And that's not comfortable. Right. Because that takes what that takes. Now we're really getting into like the one thing that this is the one thing that changed everything for me. Yeah. When I was 21 years old, I was 21 years old. Yes. I wrote a book for myself to me yep. about who I am. And that was hard yeah. because doing that, I had to look within yep. I ha all of the things that I've swept under the rug for 21 years, yeah. or ever since I was 14 or whenever I was able to start thinking, yep. I had to face the truths. I had to face the demons, the ones that have wanted me to avoid them because when you avoid them, they could continue to control you. When yeah. you don't let them out, they can, can, you, they can continue to control you. Yeah. Right. So I wrote a book and I, I went through every stage of my life. I broke it down. I one to three, yep. three to five, five to seven, 14. I to did 18. the same thing. It's and, so weird. And I'm like, okay, this happened. And because this happened, I literally did the same thing. When behavior. I had my awakening, I literally did the same. It's so weird. My book's it's called the last of a dying breed. The last of a dying breed. I don't even remember. I, I wanted to publish it. I think it was something along the lines. I didn't publish my, I asked, cause I wrote my, my first three, like I was in the first three months of this business and you know how hard that is. This is why I think I wrecked so much because I, I wouldn't go home. I would tell myself I need to write 10 pages every night. And uh, I think I have it here. And then we're about an hour and a half in, but I think we're good. Because um, I want to get into more. So we're writing the books. We're examining ourselves. And then I also want to see what the first bit, chapter one, the beginning of the end. It was 1998, September 25th, in the early hours of the morning that I would draw my first gay shit. <laughs> yeah. But I wrote this book. It's 135 pages. Just and And another thing that's kind of pushed me away from publishing is Maxwell. I was at the Maxwell event and he was like, mm -hmm. Yep. Every time someone writes a book, they, they write want to write a book by themselves. <laughs> and I was like, yo, fuck my book. <laughs> but I also right. wrote this other book called The Black Planet. And it's about like the beginning origin. No, I'm just kidding. It's Peter's book. <laughs> 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 <I look at it. laughs> bro, but not, but not, he has bro. this dope book idea. I'm going to steal the hell out of it. But but bro, seriously, like <laughs> if if you do that, if you, could, if you could do that and you could figure out what has made you so far. Yes. Everything there. Yes. And, and then, and then, then you could deconstruct and reprogram. Yep. 
and from I was telling that everybody, point we're, on, we're all computers. We're the most, we are the artificial intelligence right now. You exactly. know, we are the super intelligence right now. And what do you do to your phone? I tell, you know what I mean? I, every time I give a speech or do any type of a consulting, I'm like, it's all programming. You guys laugh when I say do affirmations and people laugh at me. When they're like, my results are down. I'm like, well, how's your mind, body, and spirit? And they're like, and they get pissed. So I've got yeah. people that got pissed at me because I'm like, well, that's the only solution I know is I know how to adjust your programming. I know if my phone's out of date and I want new emojis or I want my phone to, you know, it. I have to update it. Yeah. I got to reprogram it and update it. And the, the software, uh, what, what is it? The operating, the I, I so it's operating, operating system. Yeah. The operating system, yep. the OS, you know what I mean? Well, you are your most valuable thing in the world. If you have complete control over your operating system, why wouldn't you be forcefully manually updating it? If we know 10 years from now, phones are going to be in a position where they're like, <laughs> the fuck is this, Peter? So if we know, fuck that. So if we know, like, uh, you know, you could forcefully like up, like update your operating system every fucking day. Like, if you knew your phone could be doing something ten times more than it is right now, <laughs> ten, yeah. ten years from now, right? You would do that update right now. Yeah. Like the trillions of dollars of 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 you know value that you can bring to this world, whether that be mentally, physically, spiritually, financially. It's in your hands. Mm -hmm. Like the rate that you get there, I love how Elon Musk put it so simple. It's like, we're going to the same place. If we're working towards the same destination and you work uh, eight hours and I work 16 hours, I get there twice as fast. Exactly. Uh, it's compound just, interest. Compound interest. Have every billionaire that you that you listen to, like like remember Chamath Paula Hapati, yeah, dude, dude like stud. The, talking about the compound interest of life. That's that, so that's so simple. With your habits, like if I had to give two pieces of advice to yep. anyone, right? Like it would be it would be this. It would be do what we just said. Write the book of your life. Yep. And just leave, keep it for you. You don't yep. got to put it anywhere. Exactly. This is for you. Yes. And and then figure out how how you master yourself and then the second thing on the back end is create a life plan. Like I always talk about this. Me me and Jaden who I was talking about earlier, we sat down and we created a 60-year plan and I presented this to Simon probably the fifth time I met him. Yeah. Right. I, I, the fifth time I met him, I, I was like, I have this plan. And I'm, you know, at, 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 at that time, I was just this yep. young nutcase. I was all over the place. Yeah. I think I remember and, him telling me about your plan. Yeah. And, and it he was, was like, like, he wants to be an astronaut. And like, <laughs> it was like, was it like, was to, to, you know, have a casino, a museum, be the president of the United States. Like these things. I used to write down airport. I want to write, I want to own an airport. Own an airport. You know, like uh, airports and hotels. Those are my favorite things. Favorite, I love flying and I yeah. like hotels. And, and, and it's like, okay, well, then how do you, how do you include your values and your morals and your ethics in this? How do you include all of the people? people that you love in this? How do you include your family, your social life, the friends and the family that you love? How do you include your body, your spirit, your finances, your business, like all of these things in this plan and just yeah. reverse engineer, just yeah. reverse engineer it and have the goals. So I, I break it down in the three main, main sections. I have your purpose, which is your why to yep. all of this. You have your vision, which is your what, and, and then you have the goals, which are your how, yep. right? And then I wrote that down in this book at the same time. And that's when everything really started to change. And then you start to look at the little things, right? Like when we talk about compound interest, I think one of the most important things in life, and I talked about this when you had me talk to some of your people on that one call, it's like, if you look at the little insignificant things, we think they're insignificant, right? Yep. If you look at those things, those are the absolute most important things that are happening in your life. The things yeah. you think are insignificant, like, oh, you know, I see a, a pumpkin roll downstairs when we walk down there yep. and I take a slice and I eat it. That's little, right? But 
what what am I? What is the compound interest of these habits that I'm breaking? Like one of my kid, like not my kids, one one of the people on my team, they asked me, how do I cultivate belief in myself? I say, well, I like to give people how tos and break it down very simply. Yeah. Right. How do we cultivate belief? And how do I, how do I explain this to you as an action plan? You could actually go do this right now. Yeah. Not give you the concept of belief and da, 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 da. Right. Mom was calling me. Um, say, hold on. Uh, so here's how we cultivate belief. Yep. You tell yourself you're going to go to, to the gym two days in a row and you do it. What did you just program into your mind? Yep. You're someone who did what you told yourself you're going to do. Yep. Now, what happens if you say, I'm going to, I'm going to fast today and you don't fast that day. Yep. You just, what did you just do to your mind? You, you, you subconsciously program your mind to not believe what you said you're going to do. Yep. And we do this every day. Yep. Every day we have a million opportunities to cultivate belief or disbelief in ourselves. Yeah. And regardless of what you are consciously thinking, it doesn't matter what we consciously I think scientists say you operate 98 to 99% subconsciously. Subconsciously, because I could sit here and think- So like, like less oh, than healthy. 1% is conscious. Less than 1%, right? Because- your subconscious mind will hate yourself if you're not doing what you tell it you're going to do. Yep. It keeps track. That's one of my favorite quotes is Marcus Aurelius. It's like, what disservice does a man do if he doesn't extract the best version of himself? Exactly. I, I don't know if I said it right, but essentially like- it's, it's just the wisdom. Becoming the best version of you. In my mind, you've got to do that. and You can't just select what aspects. I mean, you can if that's your fucking happiness, but like- yep. You can't just select what piece. Yeah. It needs to be mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, sexually. Like every little detail, you need to be like, how can I become the best version of me? Yes. Not you becoming somebody else, but the best version of you. Yes. I always tell people that get kind of complicated and frustrated with themselves. I'm like, you're you're trying to be too much of me. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. You're trying to be me. You know what I mean? It's, it's imitating the path to success and imitating the, the equations and the variables and like what got individuals there and what's going to take them to the, like, I'm, I'm not trying to be Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. I'm trying to do what they did to get where they're at and where they're going, mm -hmm. but with meshing that into my authenticity. Yes. You know what I mean? Cause that also will correspond with your belief and, and eliminating any type of frustration and, and you not feeling good about yourself. You won't be able to get to that, to that billion trillion dollar level. If, if you're, if you're not like that, that's the awesome thing about it. When we have those visions, yeah, right. Like to look at it and be like, if I'm not authentic, 100% of my life starting today, right now, I'm not going to be able to when I get to that point, something's going to break. Yeah. There's going to be a crack somewhere and it's all going to come crashing down if I don't do everything right, right now. If yeah. I'm not 100% authentic, I'm only going to make it so far and I'm not going to get the things that I said that I want. Yeah. So it's like, if you could have that long-term vision, right, then that 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 puts all the pressure on the right now. Like I need to be 100% authentic. I need to have up, the utmost integrity. Yeah. I can, like, like if one person sees me break my integrity right now, that's costing my presidency of the United States of America if that's my vision. Absolutely. Right? Like everything. Yeah, that's right what I was now. telling you about last night. Like there's, there, you can only, like there's like an expense in different areas of your life. Like yes. you've got to like, you've got to analyze the expenses. And you know what I mean? If you, if you 
can do your best to not utilize them. You got to do your best to not utilize them. But like there's expenses in every area where it's like, if you really have that long-term vision of like, this could jeopardize that. Now, as you got into this business, what brought you success? I know what brought you success so quickly. So like getting, getting that success and implementing, we don't need what to do go you over. Think, what do you think from your, because I would like to know because I think I, it's, I, I think it's, you yeah, I think it's very simple. So I think it's, you know, it started with one, a level of humility, which then, you know, opens the door of coachability. So now you're open to coaching. And then step two, it's just execution. You know what I mean? Nobody ever killed anybody by overthinking. You win wars with acting. Yes. You know what I mean? Strategy, planning, and everything is phenomenal. But one, you know, one mediocre deed is way better than one excellent thought mm-hmm. and one excellent intent. Yep. You know what I mean? So your excellent fucking plans and intentions out there, you geniuses, you know what I mean? That that made you 50 bands. Yes. I made $400,000 last year, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? 21 years old, just fucking acting. And that's yeah. not me gloating on me. That's Simon. That's the company. That's my mom supporting me. You know what I mean? That's having mm-hmm. the right people around me and the right people working with me as well. Yeah. You know, so I think it's, I think people like overcomplicate, overcomplicate shit. It, yeah. It's really simple. I love Ray Kroc with, with his system of like taking an ordinary system mm-hmm. with, or no, an ordinary people with an average product, multiply that by, uh, an excellent system mm-hmm. equals extraordinary results. Extraordinary results yeah. So it's like, we're average people and we sell an average product. We've got an excellent coach with an excellent system. Mm-hmm. We, we make millions of dollars mm-hmm. and we're 20 years old. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, I think it's and, real and simple. I, and I know me and you, and I know me and you 1000, like all jokes aside, you know, like 1000% agree that more than anything we could ever gain from this business. The most important thing is, is the loyalty. The loyalty. And, and the character. People under people underestimate the value of Simon Arias. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to be on here and like dick ride and shit like that, but like it really is like the value of like of Simon Arias and the connections that he has because it's genuine. There's so many different like different little variables that people don't analyze. That's because they don't understand what a fulfilled life is. Yeah, dude. It really and because people say they're coachable, but you ain't really coachable until it comes down to you doing something that you don't want to do. Exactly. That's when you're coachable. Everybody does. You know what I mean? When it's like when it's time to make calls and sell and and, and generate. But like, what about when it's time for you to like make a very disciplined decision and, and you to be more reserved with your personal life? Back on. So. So the real trophy, the the real we got to wrap like, up. Like yeah, very quickly. You were talking about that massive yep. goal, right? The only the only way people would not think that's realistic is if they're only focused on the trophy of that being the trophy. Yeah. But people like me and you, even though that's your goal, that's not the real trophy from you. For yeah. you, the real trophy is the journey that you go on to attain such a goal. Yeah. Right. Yep. The process, right. the relationships, the memories made in the process. Exactly. You know like what I mean? That is the trophy for you. So yes. why not set a goal like exactly. that? Exactly. Exactly. You know? So it's it's very clear, uh, clear, you know, you've had 13 vaccinations now. How have those been working? I'm getting my 14th tomorrow. Wait, are you vaccinated? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, I'm not anti-vax. Me either. I'm not anti-vax, but what I am... Yeah, no. Anti I'm anti individuals I don't trust. Yeah. So right now I don't feel like I'm in a position to trust, you know, with just and it's not I, I wouldn't say it's one one certain, you know, group or you know, people's fault, but I would say it's it's just so much wishy washy and back and mm-hmm. forth things and well, there's a 0.02% mortality when it comes to COVID. And then I think it's like, well, Ebola, you know, had a higher fatality rate and there was no major press for vaccinations mm-hmm. and you didn't need to get vaccinated to go wipe your ass at a public, re- you know what I mean? So it's like, and we were never offering cheeseburgers for the people that, yeah. you know what I mean? And so a piece of me is like, 
that conspiracy theory of like almost like population control. Like, mm-hmm. is it like, is there something in there where it's like, not where we just kill people, but like maybe it limits uh, reproduction. You well, know what my, I mean? Yeah. So, so, so right along those lines, my opinion on the vaccine is very rational because I don't care. I'm very open-minded. It's, it's, I really yeah, don't care. Yeah, it's very rational. If I have to get it, it's like, like I'm forced to get it, what am I going to do? Like die? I'm yeah. going to have to end up getting it. So here's my thing. The pharmaceutical industry is a multi-trillion dollar industry. Oh my God. And how many stocks they had in it? Yeah, dude. It's, it's so- What so the hell? Normally for a vaccine, it would take about what? Maybe set like maybe like five to 10 years to roll out. Yep. To test all of the long-term side effects, to understand what actually happens, all of the trial runs. We're talking about a vaccine that was created within a year span, yeah. really about eight months. We don't know the long-term side effects. I'm not saying that there is going to be long-term side effects. It might be the best vaccine known to world, known in the, in the world. It might be, it might cure everything. We, you know, who knows? I, all I'm saying is. I would rather not risk taking something that was created in eight months when I know a real vaccine takes much more. Much longer. Much longer. Much more insight, research, and development, trial and test runs to test the long-term So much shit, dude, just gets dropped. Like, oh, UFOs are real. You know what I mean? Like, this is that, and this is this. And it's like, it makes me think about so many, like, history. It makes me think of, like, Martin Luther King and JFK and, like, Mm -hmm. all these figures and things like that. And, uh... Yeah, dude, it's a lot to think on. It's a lot to take in. But again, I'm really not anti. I'm just open to, I'm, I'm open to learning. Yes. I just like to learn. Yep. You know what I mean? I like to learn and I like people to be able to make their own decisions within moral code. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people are like, well, your morals aren't necessarily my morals. My mm-hmm. morals say I can kill somebody. I'm like, can we just have some fucking common sense? And exactly. Be like, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, my morals say I can go into the girl's bathroom. I'm like, are yeah. you fucking kidding? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, so well, it's it's well, it's it's a sense of purpose. People yeah. need purpose, and yeah. they've never found purpose internally. Yep. So they attach themselves to an idea of purpose that's very easy to join. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Simple. Like now, as we wrap up, I know you watch movies every day. So, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie. Yeah, with you watching them every I, day. Well, what's the list? I you t- you told me. Uh, it was a uh, Goodwill Hope. Fi- Good, Goodwill, Goodwill, Goodwill Hunting. It looks so stupid. I didn't even like it. Goodwill, looked really sad. Goodwill Hunting <laughs> is, is top five. The Irishman. Interstellar. Scarface, probably. No, fuck. Goodfellas. Bronxdale. Dude, I, I know I sent you this. And I gave you a purpose for each one, too. What group message was it in? Um, I don't think I kept it. I just did this recruiting thing. I'm going to have to put you on it. I got, I'm literally getting a call every second. Me, too. Funny enough, I'll have to tell you the, the phone call I just received. I apologize for who received a voicemail. I didn't. Did you eat dessert this morning? Oh, I've never eaten dessert. I didn't even recruit. I swear you did. Peter. Yes, sir. I think Tristan ate dessert this morning. Oh, for sure, dude. I actually ate a pack of Oreos. A pack of Oreos. He would say, for he would say, uh, oh, no, I gave you three. I gave you three. Okay. So, Goodwill Hunting, which which taught me a lot about gratitude and adversity. The Irishman. What did that teach you? Loyalty? Principles, ethics, and loyalty. Yep. And then the Steve Jobs, the Ashton Kutcher version. It's the Steve Jobs movie where Ashton Kutcher played Steve Jobs. Yep. Uh, and it showed me what success truly takes. So you really like that Steve Jobs movie? How's the one with about Ashton watching Kutcher. It? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I like both. There's two of them. 
The other one is more like on the back half. It's like yeah. he's already created Apple. The Steve Jobs one with Ashton Kutcher, that's like when he's young yeah. and, and he's going through a lot of a lot of stuff, taking the uh acid. psilocybin, the yeah. acid and, and the mushrooms and everything like that. And then building it, uh losing all of his best friends, you know, like w- weird things like that happening, having the balls to, um, you know, like to build that business uh, yeah. essentially with venture capitalists and everything yep. involved. It, it was, it was really good. Really well, good. this was dope, dude. Probably one of my best, best, best podcasts yet. Hopefully Peter doesn't lose the files and edits it. And hopefully, you know, the mics work. I appreciate you for having shit me, like that. Honestly, anything you want to shout out your business, um, where yeah, people man, could find you just, yeah. So Joseph Crivelli. Instagram, first and last name, J-O-S-E-P-H-C-R-I-V-E-L-L-I. Um, that That's probably it for now. But I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for having yep. me on here. And are you um, hiring or what do you oh, sell? I mean, yeah, of course. We, we you know, we sell, we sell life insurance. Yep. Um, we're, we're 100% hiring here out of the Wexford office. It's going to be expanding very quickly. Um, you know, it's, it's very it's a very good time right now to get into an opportunity like this. As you know, yep. I'm someone who could really speak on that. I'm someone who most people would have an ego coming out of what I was doing. Yes. You know, yeah. Because you've had a lot of success. Hedge fund, this, that, and the third did this, did that, you know, consulting for, for startup companies. But I recognize the opportunity here. Yep. And, um, you know, it, it's as simple as that. If, if you have two eyes and a brain and, and, and wisdom, yep. it's, it's something that you should always look into, if not to work here, to be associated with people like this. Yep. You know what I mean? I have so many associates outside of this business that I have love for, that we talk about business, we talk yes. about philosophy, we talk about wisdom, and it's just a culture. It's a culture that we have because whether it's someone out in LA who's working on, you know, becoming an artist on something, all of us who have this mind that we have, we're going to end up being together in some form or fashion, doing some kind of business together when we're billionaires, when we're trillionaires. Yes. You know what I mean? So it just is what it is. Completely agree. You know, love it. All right. Well, you guys check out Joey Crivelli. I'll probably get him on again. And it was a pleasure. Here we got Joey Crivelli, movie watcher all day. All he does. Let's go. <laughs> Peace. Mm-hmm.